Hello, everybody. I'd like to begin with a reading from Whispers from Eternity. And these are collected uh, poems uh, and verse of Yogananda's. <clears throat> and this is entitled, Teach Me to Drown in Thy Light and Live. And there's a notation here that this is inspired from a Hindu song. <clears throat> I come to thee with the song of my smiles. Whatever treasures have lain in the secrecy of my soul, I bring eagerly to thee. I bring thee all the honey from the hive of my heart. All that was ever mine is now thine alone. The sunlight of this world shining upon my eager hopes and brief, fickle, fulfillments, burned me repeatedly with dissatisfaction. Now I will quench my thirst forever in thy radiant waters. The taper of my aspiration toward happiness will burst aflame with thy coming into a conflagration of bliss in thy vast enchanting sea of light I will swim joyfully forever. Teach me to drown in thee and live, rather than live in a mirage paradise of earthliness and die. So we have, as we do so oftentimes, a beautiful topic, the redeeming light. I was uh, reading, I was reading uh, from uh, one of our students, uh, online students in meditation this week, uh, their introduction, personal introduction, and uh, it said they were sharing that they had recently read Autobiography of a Yogi by Yogananda. And this person said, I've read this account, and I don't know if I believe in miracles. And, <clears throat> and then went on to something altogether different. Uh, but later in the week, I was recalling to mind uh, the words of Sri Yukteswar, and he said, Master quotes this in Autobiography of a Yogi, he says, the cosmos would be relatively chaotic if its laws could not operate without the sanction of human belief. <laughs> I wish I had had that on my fingertips when I, when I read that note, but I didn't go back later and offer it. But I think it's very important because this reading is about the redeeming light. And the light is reality. It is reality. It is God. It is one of the aspects of God, a doorway onto the infinite. But we have to be willing and ready and desiring to embrace that. And this reading, this story, this, this occurrence between Yogananda and his mother, it, it's so gently and yet powerfully captures that teaching, makes us think, 
It makes us wonder. And God, through Yogananda's mother, is giving us you know, the way to behave, the way to live. Are we going to identify with matter and die? Because that consciousness of you know, materialism, it's constrictive, it's limiting. It doesn't offer solutions. It doesn't offer a path to follow. And inside we die. There's just, where can we go? Where is the hope? Or are we going to look to the light as Swami Kriyananda states in the reading this morning, the only solution, the only solution really to our troubles, we can swim around in that mire of, you know, of illness, of disease, of emotional grief, of, of blame, of unworthiness, or we can break out of that. It's, it's simply a choice. And Yogananda's mother says to him, look, Look at the picture. Look at the light. Experience the light. Because in that awareness, in that consciousness, we will live. We will have that living experience, that living relationship with the divine. And I think it's Swamiji, Swamiji tells a story of a a uh, man who was visiting his sister in the hospital and she was very ill. It was touch and go, touch and go. And he stepped out of the room to get a drink of water. And as he came back and he approached, he heard the doctors who were present there in the room talking. And they were basically saying, it's hopeless, doesn't stand a chance. It's just going to be a short while now. And they were conversing out loud. And as he entered the room, the monitors started to move all around and just plummet. You know, all the vital life signs were just all dropping and, you know, beyond critical. But he had heard what they said and he knew the guru's teaching. And he went up and he started to talk to her and he spoke into her right ear. And telling her, embrace the light, use your will, be present, be here, open yourself to healing. And the situation rerouted itself, and she came back. But she was moving into that environment, into that consciousness, there's nothing for you. It's all gone. You're unworthy. You're sick. You're ill. And reminding her of those teachings which she knew in her heart and giving strength to that, she came back. Swamiji tells another story of a, actually he relates it, Yogananda told this story. Same kind of thing, but very powerful kind of stories we need to hear again and again. And this man, he had diabetes and he was diagnosed with a very serious case of it. And the doctor said, three months, that's all you have. And he thought to himself, well, if all I've got is three months, then I better right now get serious. Get serious about God. Get serious about the divine. And he decided to meditate. But 
he hadn't been meditating. This wasn't a well-developed habit in him. And about 15 minutes was what he was able to do comfortably. But he would do that. He made a commitment. He did it every day. And three months passed, and there he was. He was in the body, feeling pretty much fine. And he kept up that practice. And three years went by. By this time, he had added a little more time to that practice, and he was still alive. What a wonder. And he decided to meditate more. And over the years, meditation just became what he was doing to the point that he was meditating 18 hours a day. <coughs> and that's more than <laughs> I'm sure all of us are going to take on. But you never know. You never know how God's going to speak to us or what karma is going to emerge that's going to catapult us forward into that kind of a solution for everything. And he started to meditate, and he was meditating all of these hours. And years and years went by like this. And one day God came to him, and he was healed. This radiant light enveloped him, and he was fully healed. And he said, why have you healed me, Lord? I just prayed for you to come, to come into my life, to bathe me in your presence. And God answered him and said, where my light is, there can be no darkness. And it's such a simple teaching, really, to embrace the light, to live in the light. And we find so many reasons not to, so many patterns in our mind and habits of thinking and doing and being that take us on these detours, take us on a sidetrack again and again and again. And so there's another very important aspect of this reading about embracing the light, and that is the aspect of renunciation. It's like two sides, most of the same coin, because we have to use our will and our energy to embrace the light. It's not about just passively availing ourselves to the light, but we have to enter into that. We have to participate with that, turn to the light, look to the light, serve the light, draw on the light. And that takes a certain amount of renunciation, renunciation of material consciousness. When Swamiji founded the Naya Swami order, this is a global renunciate order, and I'm not going to talk about it here other than to say at that time he said renunciation is a valid path. Renunciation is a valid path. Yogananda said it in the words renunciation is for all. We're not used to that in this country. We're not raised or taught, most of us, how to practice self-control. The benefits of living in moderation in all things. We're not taught how to control our emotions, to transcend harmful emotions such as anger or disgust or hate, you know, this kind of thing. We're not taught to how to get out of a mood, you know, to disclaim it. Enough. I don't want to be in a mood. I don't want to feel this way. And those are all aspects of renunciation. So you see, it's, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. 
and in this instance, to renounce littleness, to renounce material consciousness, to renounce the thought that something in this world is going to fix me and make me better. If it does, it's because God has come to you through that medium, through that channel, through that instrument, through that good habit, whatever it is that you decide to embrace. But renunciation is very key. Lahiri Mahashai, Yogananda's guru's guru, the one, the picture, the picture that he bowed to of Lahiri Mahashai. He was a householder. He had worldly responsibilities. He had children. But he understood renunciation. The balanced life is embracing the light and renouncing matter. His wife once was complaining to him, and she says she did this with some regularity. Why aren't you providing for the family? <laughs> Doing all this yoga, spreading all these teachings, why aren't you providing for the family? We need things. And Lahiri answered her and he said, who am I? I'm nothing. I'm nobody. How can I provide? God provides. And then he vanished. <laughs> Just to make sure she got the message. <laughs> and she became, she, be, she realized at a certain point that he was a guru. And understood. And he said, God will take care of this. God will provide for us. And then just in a short amount of time, one of the disciples came forward and took care of the family, took care of that, took on that responsibility, providing for the family's needs. It's so important that we learn and look to the light as the solution to our problems, the solutions to our difficulties and challenges. I remember many years ago, uh, when we were, when my uh, Ananta and I were in Sacramento, and Swamiji was staying with us. And one morning, when he got up, I just, you know, I always said, "How, how did you sleep? How, how are you comfortable?" He said, "I didn't sleep very well," and I thought, hmm. And then I said, well, as a matter of fact, in the middle of the night, I woke up suddenly. My whole body just in one piece jumped off the bed and fell down again. And I, call, you know, I called out mentally very strongly, my reality is the light. And I had felt this darkness totally envelop me. I, I don't know where it was from or what it was. I've never had an experience like that. But it was just enveloped me, it was crushing me. But the response, the immediate response was, my reality is the light, thank goodness. You know, it's not like we, well we do practice these things, don't we? We do, when we meditate we're practicing this truth. My reality is the light. And that's just what came out and it went. And I shared that with Swami, he didn't say anything more, he just said, interesting. <laughs> I don't know what he experienced, but uh, it was interesting, but it was such a powerful reminder because yes, we do, when we meditate, we practice these things. And that's another point in this simple story 
You know, Yogananda's mother, she's saying, bow mentally. Bow mentally. What does that mean? Swamiji says that the seat of the ego is here at the mandala. This is the yogic teaching. And some people very centered in the ego will strain at that point. There'll be such a tight tension. It's where the saying comes. They look down their noses at the world. But when we bow and offer the head forward, we relax that center. It's a relaxation of the ego. It's a self-offering of the little self into the great self. That's what it means when we bow, when we pronoun. And this is a very important element, that we offer ourselves into this flow of light. That offering takes energy. That offering takes will. But if we go to this point, this is the meaning of the words in the Bible, if thine eye be single, thy whole body will be filled with light. To bring our concentration, our being, fully to this center at the point between the eyebrows and to lead, to go into life with that awareness, to go into life with that consciousness. Swami Kriyananda tells a story when he was in Rishikesh, uh, I think this was in the early 90s or so, and he was spending some time in seclusion. And he was feeling, I mean, he was feeling great. He was taking seclusion and in a good place. But when he sat there to meditate the first day, all he could feel were thoughts of, oh, why bother? Why bother? You know, you can't do it. You're not worth it. You're not going to be able to spiritually go deep. And it was a curious thing because he wasn't in a negative space. But what he was feeling were these negative thoughts. And he couldn't reason himself out of it. He couldn't figure out how to get out of it mentally. And he did the only thing he knew how to do, which was try to attune to his guru, to Yogananda. And so he tried to think of Yogananda, that channel of infinite light. And as he did that, the negative energy dissipated. And he was able to meditate. And he felt a little bit of joy. And then the next day, the exact same thing happened. He went to meditate. And there was just this negative energy telling him that he, he couldn't do it. He wasn't worthy. He couldn't go deeper. And he again focused on Yogananda, focused on the light, the channel for light that he understood and was close to in his heart. And he focused on that. He was able to break through, and then he felt a little more joy. And every day this happened in his seclusion, and he said by the end of it, he was floating in joy. It was all gone. It was no more. And so, you know, again, just such a simple technique. But our reality is the light. It is not matter. It is not limitation. It is not these bodies. It is not our problems and our challenges. Those are all vehicles of the light. The light is behind them, right behind them. Master would say, behind the darkness, 
of closed eyes. That's where the light is. And it's at the center and the heart of everything that comes to us to teach us that we are not matter, we are not limitation. Our reality is the light. Lord, may we serve you.